This is Felipe, and you're listening to Section 109 Podcast. Welcome into the Section 109 Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Jay Buchanan. And with me, as always, are my two co-hosts. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves. My name is Andrew Brzee. Most people call me Breezy. Feels so good to be back. This is Smitty. Oh, Guest co-host returned. Yes. I know you missed me. It's okay. Yep. We did. We did. Matt we kept did. the seat nice and warm with all those hot takes. They were <laughs> hot, for sure. Oh, they were gosh. takes, definitely. Yep. Matt is uh, uh, on a random emergency trip to Nashville, as his job makes him do all the time. So... Um, at least we have Smitty. Yeah, yeah. We have a we miss him. And we have a great, great show yeah, on deck for you folks. Um, so in the first segment, this is only a two-segmenter because our uh, interview is amazing. Then in the first segment, we're going to talk a little bit about our personal experiences at a place that's very, very important to us, Highland Park Commons. And that's a personal podcast note. And then uh, in the second segment, who are we talking to, Smitty? Talking to the wonderful, the incredible... Thomas Clark and Sheldon Grizzle about the founding and the first years up until now of CFC. It's a pretty wide ranging conversation and I had so much fun. It's absolutely incredible. It was so exciting. Yeah. I learned so much. So, uh, I guess without any further ado, let's get to it. So in this segment, we want to highlight um, something all three of us enjoy every Tuesday. Um, so does a huge portion of every single ethnicity group in Chattanooga, which is probably one of the best parts about this place. But Breezy, let's talk about um, the CFL. So Highland Park Commons and the Chattanooga Football League are pretty much the highlight of my week uh, when it's not game day. And... What we're able to do, producer Jay, Matt, when he's here, guest host Smitty, and I, we play on um, some Chattanooga Football League teams. And what that means is we play on 5v5 in our particular league, and we play against other members of the community every Tuesday night. And for those who don't know what Highland Park Commons is, Highland Park Commons is a community asset that was put together by the Chattanooga Football Club Foundation and some other prominent members of, of the community to give a space where people could play soccer um, seven days a week. So it's a really, really amazing spot. And to be able to get out there as an adult and play soccer when I did not grow up playing soccer at all is really, really, really cool for me. Um, and, you know, that's one of the best things about it too because they have different level of leagues. So there mm -hmm. are former CFC players in a league. and Not, then not playing in our league. Definitely not our league, even though better I'll, better for them though. Even though I'll still make them, so <laughs> check your legs. Um, but you know, Breezy and I have been playing regularly for only a year, so there's a league that we can play in as well. And so, Smitty, when did you actually start playing soccer? So I never kicked a ball uh, until August of 2018. Whenever we nice. found out about the CFL, and we were just kind of talking about how much fun it would be to have a league, and I was like, oh, I guess I. Guess we should try it out. Yeah, yeah, I guess I should start playing. That's so. funny because I'm I'm pretty much the exact opposite. I've played in like five or six leagues there, and uh, I actually give that place credit to why I probably still live in Chattanooga. Like when I was in college and 
I, I made like all my friends there. I got LinkedIn with OGA and all that other stuff. And it just kept me here after college. And now I'm where I'm at and I still play there every Tuesday and try to go and play pickup, um, 11 v 11 on Sundays. But Tuesday nights are a definite, and I love beating the salmon slappers. Heck yeah, <laughs> just like last week. Uh, quick promo for Canal Highland Park Commons and the CFO work. Uh, Highland Park Commons has pickup every day, every evening. Um, $2. $2. And on Tuesday nights, it's free. Uh, you can, on Google Maps or Apple Maps, search Highland Park Commons. You can also go to Chattanooga Football League. Dot com and that has league schedules and league information. There's 8v8, there's 5v5, there's three different levels of 5v5. If you want to come take on uh, Smitty and his Megan competition, uh, you can do that. Um, you can come play against some real, real ballers. But it's a thing that we thought was worth highlighting, both the CFL, which is the Chattanooga Football League, which is run by the Chattanooga Football Club, and the overall uh, Highland Park Commons, where you can come and play, whether you want to play league or play pickup or just learn how to kick a ball. I... I only played a little bit of pickup in college and then picked it back up now, and I'm playing regularly and have for almost a year now. Shout out to uh, Jonathan Dryling and, Big shout out. and uh, Jose and uh, Brian Castro and yeah. all of the other, all of the other Don't homies that work there. Alejandro, yeah. That's he, does, he doesn't deserve a shout out. Ooh. No, yeah, no. We'll, still, we'll edit that we'll out. Give it nah, we'll anyway. give it to him. <laughs> oh, so rude. So Jonathan Dryling also started, because of the beginner league, um, there was just a demand for, since there's adults that just started playing, there's a demand for like an adult training camp. So every mm-hmm. Tuesday from six to seven, you pay three bucks. You every, get Every every what day? Every Thursday. Okay. I said Tuesday. Yeah, you said Tuesday. Edit that out. Just I don't kidding, know. Don't. I say wrong things all the time. Um, I, I embrace my wrongness. Yeah, yeah, it happens. It can't be perfect. But every Thursday from is this, you said six yeah, to seven? every Thursday six to seven. It's three bucks. It includes the two dollars that you would pay regularly for pickup. And I would imagine that if we can get enough people out there, then he would just keep a filled reserve for us um, in the future, so we could have like we could we could do our our training, which is like an actual soccer training. Like um, what, jo- what kind of stuff is it? Um, cone drills, ball handling drills. Um, he, he, this is the really cool thing. He'll, he'll do drills that an actual soccer team would be doing so that you learn kind of positioning, where to go, where to look to pass the ball, how to link up play. And, um, then, you know, the reverse with, uh, defense as well. Um, so it's, it's really handy. It helps you think about the game a lot more. So you're working your skills and your mind. So it, you know, it that's that's one of my favorite parts of the week as well because I'm getting better because of that. Even though like I'm a nerd and I watch a bunch of uh, YouTube videos, but YouTube videos aren't going to teach you how to actually play the game. It'll just teach you how to do things in the game. Yeah, um, for sure. So it's a nice balance. That's awesome. I didn't realize uh, they were doing that. Yeah, it's super cool. I only made one. You're too good for us. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, we it's, don't it's, invite it's, you. I always it, need training. It's not quite uh, aimed for you, producer Jay. Producer Jay. The uh, baller. We yeah. call it baller producer Jay. That's not true. Okay. No, I'm kidding. The, the, first, <laughs> I'm the first time I ever went to HPC was the first time I ever met Jay. For real? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, dang. So we played that. a pickup game together, and that was like the first time I had played soccer. You're like, wow, who's this guy? Going back to some moments <laughs> right now. I was like, he doesn't pass the ball. <laughs> that's so true. It's because he knows I suck. Uh, no, no, no. That's because I'm a ball. It's because he wanted to win. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, well, that's awesome. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we decided to highlight that. Um, it is definitely one of my favorite places, not only in Chattanooga but on the entire face of the planet. Yeah, it's Agreed. the best part of town. And if you and if sometime you want to come check it out, you can shoot us a message on the pod. You can shoot me a message, Andrew, personally on on the Twitters. Uh, glad to have anyone come out and and if you want to try a game out and you're a you know experienced player, you can mm-hmm. try a game out with our D two team. If uh, you want to, you're not a very experienced player. And you want to try a game out with our D three team. We can hook you up there too. Uh, hey, we, or, or if you're an experienced player, you can play with our D three team because yeah, we need D- a little help. Yeah, yeah, that too. It's a bunch of chattahooligans that drink too much and uh, don't don't play enough soccer. Not during games though. Often. Sometimes. Not really. All right, boys. Should we get on to the next segment? Let's yeah, do it. Let's do it. So uh, today we have an interview that <clears throat> I didn't know was going to happen until just a, a few days ago, and uh, I got super excited for it. Uh, I'm going to let the guy who told me about it take this one. Is that me? That's you. All right. So we have two special guests. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Who's here with us? Well, I'm Sheldon Grizzle, president of Chattanooga Football Club, co-founder with my uh, partner right here. Yeah, this is uh, Thomas Clark, uh, also co-founder of CFC. Beautiful. Welcome, guys. Thank you for... Uh, bringing the class of our humble studio up a notch. <laughs> no, thanks for having us. This is a great setup you guys got. It's Beautiful. Great. That's all producer James. Thanks, Smitty. <laughs> Always. <laughs> so if we could get started here with a little bit, you know, kind of go back to the beginning, even predating CFC for you guys. Uh, Sheldon, if we could start with you, what does your soccer journey, your soccer life look like? Man, great question. Um, I don't think I've ever been asked that question, actually, so... Cool. Um, my, I grew up in a, in a baseball family actually, and my dad and my mom both played baseball growing up. And so they were both very good, very athletic. Um, and I was drawn to a soccer ball from a very early age, kind of accidentally. Um, I, I think it was my mom's brother who had a ball around her house and, uh, I just gravitated towards it. And my dad had this thought that, you know, it's really helpful in baseball if you can switch hit. And so maybe like if you can switch kick, that would be a really good idea. Mm. Yeah. And so from like four years old, he had me kicking with my left foot and my right foot. And, you know, and, and so that was one of the really great distinguishing things throughout my entire career was I could use both feet, um, pretty equally. And, uh, so I just kind of like stumbled into it and I was pretty athletic and, and had a lot of fun when I was little played baseball and soccer all the way through high school. Um, and, uh, you know, my, I didn't play club soccer until I was a freshman in high school. So I was one of those, um, strange, uh, strangely good, um, youth players that grew up in a rec system. And this was down in Boca Raton, Florida. We had a great rec program, um, decent coaches, good players, even in rec. Um, and, and then I, I tried out for a couple club teams, actually didn't make the club teams. Um, even though I was a a really good goal scorer, but I had no idea how to play the game. I just was, I figured out ways to score goals. And Mm -hmm. if you're small and, um, scrappy, you don't really fit into a team. And, and I was very small and scrappy. I was like, especially in America, especially in America. (laughs) I mean, so in, in high school, I ended up scoring 172 goals. Um, I'm sorry, how many? (laughs) 172. You said 72. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I meant to hit the well done button, but I pr- pressed the wrong one. Producer Jay can't count that high. <laughs> so I had a good high school career, but I was I'd like, so. I was 5'1". 
until my senior year of high school. And so uh, I just completely got ignored by every single college program. Um, nobody took me seriously. And like ODP was big at that point. Like that was the top level of youth soccer in the country. Um, so they didn't take me seriously. Um, and so I just, I kind of got burnt out on soccer by the time I was a senior in high school. Um, and, and honestly almost didn't go play college ball. Um, but I had a couple offers, Liberty university, which was a very good, uh, division one soccer school at the time. And looked at UCF and a couple other D1 schools. And at the end of the day, just decided that Covenant College right here, just outside of Chattanooga was, was the right fit of a strong academic program, beautiful location, not too cold, close enough to drive all the way home to Florida um, and, and a good soccer program. So it, it hit, it intersected all the different things that kind of touched, touched the buttons that were important to me. Um, so that's how I ended up in, in Chatt the Chattanooga area. Uh, got to Covenant, had a pretty good career there, um, started as a freshman and, and then all the way through through my senior year, um, scored 54 goals during my career at Covenant, um, two-time All-American, which was fun. And uh, a little grew a little bit, I hit, take it, hit a growth spurt? Yeah, my senior year of high school, I hit a growth spurt and grew about seven inches. Um, so uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe that was a benefit to um, the late recruiters in my career. Um, Brian Crossman, uh, our first coach at, uh, at CFC. Um, anyway, and, uh, had some chances to play after school, um, did a pro combine and got, got some chances to go play with, uh, Dallas burn at the time. Um, now FC Dallas, uh, the, the coach at the combine was the assistant coach, um, of the burn and, and he really liked the way I play, but there's no guaranteed contracts. It was just, Hey, come do a trial with us. What year was that? Uh, 2000, uh, I was like January of 2003. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was enticing, but I was engaged to be married that summer and I chose love over soccer. So, uh, I think I don't regret uh, it to this day. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that your career didn't end there, but we'll put a pin in it and, yeah. and come back to it. Thomas, how, what does your soccer journey look like? Yeah, sure. Um, I think I, mass majority of us could probably say that a, a lot of our, our folks didn't play the game back in the day. We all kind of grew up with uh, parents, like Sheldon just said, dad uh, was baseball and our parents were baseball and, and my dad was more track and field. And, but then he would, he was my coach growing up. He didn't know anything about soccer. So it, it was, it was, uh, it's something that he grew into. We kind of were growing together. Um, but at a young age, it was, it was the sort of thing. Um, my uh, my grandmother, my Japanese grandmother, would always say that any time that I would go to visit, I never walked. I was always running, like everywhere around the house, like going from one place to the next. And so, soccer was a, a, a perfect um, sport for them. Just my folks just to throw me into. I I, I wanted to play hockey growing up as a mm. little as a little kid, but we couldn't afford all the pads and and all, everything that came with it. And the league fees. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. It's expensive so, sport to play. Yeah. You'd have been a good enforcer. Yeah. Well I I was small actually growing up and then I, I hit a growth spurt my freshman year of college. I grew four inches. My freshman year of college. Wow. So you're it's, saying that six foot two was small going well, into I mean, college? Six foot one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just going to say, a little, kidding me? a little bit different. My bad. <laughs> for, for, for any listeners who've never met Thomas Clark, um, Thomas, how tall are you? Uh, six five. And how much, I mean, ballpark did you weigh in your playing days? 
Uh, 180 pounds. Because yeah, you're a, you're a, you're a tall, lanky guy, but you're a big guy now. You look you lift a lift some weights here and there. I, I maybe not maybe more beers than I do weights. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those those 16 ounce curls count. They do, they do. Uh, but no, yeah. Going back to just growing up, it was uh, I just grew to love the game at a young age. I, I also played a little basketball, ran track, but um, yeah, soccer was. Uh, I played club ball club ball um kind of growing up and then once i got to high school and um i grew up in colorado so colorado springs is home mm-hmm. for me oh, nice. um i uh, i couldn't play club anymore because i wanted i was playing all high school sports so it, w- it was if it if it was club season it was i was probably in basketball season then or running track or something like that so um so i was kind of i did the three sports in high school and uh um growing up in colorado springs um there's a school that's really close and um, that, that I had zero intention of going to. And actually, you can see the United States Air Force Academy from my high school, and I had zero intention of going there. I wanted to go to the farthest place, farthest school. And so I was looking at Pacific uh, Pacific Northwest. I was looking at the Northeast um, and out of state, out of Colorado. I love Colorado. I miss Colorado. But um, – uh, I was, I was not, I didn't, I didn't apply to any schools like CU or CSU. Uh, but then I had a conversation with the co- the soccer coach there, Luis Agostumi. And, uh, and it started talking about what, what I could do. I, I could possibly play ball there. And, and then what, what opportunities I would afford after, um, going to the academy. Um, and so that's kind of how I ended up going from wanting to, this desire to go to the farthest place away to the closest school I could have chosen. Uh, Some place you could walk, you could see from your high school. Yes, you can literally, I mean, it it is, it's probably about 10 minutes, 10 10 miles away from from where I grew up. So, uh, so yeah, Air Force Academy. um, And, uh, uh, goodness, it was a, it was a tough, tough uh, atmosphere. Didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, But, I mean, the soccer team there, I, I guess I, you could say this about just about any, anything, your, your squadron there, your, your, your team, you just, you grow this bond together. They do a great job of, uh, of breaking you down as an individual and then, and then building you back as a team. Um, and so that goes not only on the military side, but also on the team, the soccer, soccer field. The, um, and I, I was lucky enough, I actually ran track there too. And, uh, and so four years there, it was an incredible experience. And, uh, Played a little bit of ball after that, and I don't, I don't know if I need to stop, but um, played a little <laughs> bit after that um, with the Air Force, actually. And so I got to travel around the U.S. with the all-Air Force team um, a couple years. What was your position? Outside mid. I was an outside – I was a winger. And so I was – You're a big winger. Yeah, that must – I don't think I've ever seen a winger that's 6'5". Yeah, I, they just well, – was I think it was the, the track and the soccer combined where it was like, just make them run. Just, just – Kick the ball outside and make them run. So, that's I, re- I remember you a couple of years after college, and you were a nightmare to play against. You were so big, so fast. He was very technical. Um, were you still at the? It, was he still at the wing position when you played? No, him? every time we play, like you, you usually gravitated up front as like a. Yeah, as know, a kid, a was target a, was a forward back uh, when I was a kid, but then outside, outside Midian as uh, in college. So. Uh, Man, when when our bodies were young, we could actually <laughs> run. <laughs> well, you know our uh, our D two and D three teams that uh, we, we mentioned in the previous segment. We talked a little bit about the Chattanooga Football League. We can always use uh, some guys who don't want to run very much, but can kick a ball. 
Go for it, Thomas. I, 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 I need to get on a team there. Sheldon tried to murder me a week ago on, on the soccer field in Detroit. Uh, you survived. Can still, can still kick the ball. <laughs> oh, did you guys play? You guys played at the field house. We did play at the field house. Awesome. And, uh, that was a beautiful uh, hour and a half of soccer. Chad Hooligans, Northern Guard. That's awesome. Uh, Inter- intermixed for yep. some reason, we didn't end up playing like because I, I could have had Sheldon on my team, which would have been better. But you know, <laughs> but it's better stories if you were on the opposite team playing goalie. So. Yes, yes, we uh, we man marked Sheldon three at a time to try to make sure that the other team didn't win. And I think we may have had a three man advantage or a two man advantage, but you know, we got it done. It was fun. That's great. All right, so um, I guess let's let's start talking. You're out. You're both out of college, I assume, when CFC starts. Let's just start wherever you want to start uh, for the founding of CFC. Tell me, uh, tell us kind of the genesis of it. And I know you both played, so I, I don't want to tell you where to start. I'll let you choose kind of how you start to tell that story. Yeah, I, th- I think this is Thomas's uh, story to get, get get rolling here. Maybe just start, but cannot take credit for. Um, so I uh, was playing for the NPSL team down in Birmingham, uh, but, okay. but living in Chattanooga. So this is 2007. I, moved, I got out of the Air Force in 2006. I was stationed in Columbus, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And uh, a buddy from Colorado, um, a Covenant grad, Chris Cushenberry, uh, head coach over Who's, at McCauley. Yeah, McCauley coach now. Yeah, McCauley's head coach. Won a couple state championships there. He's doing well. Um, uh, he was the only guy I knew when I moved here. And I moved into Crew Brock, one of our co-founders. I moved into his cabin up on Lookout. Didn't know him. No clue. Um, moved to Chattanooga knowing one guy, zero intentions of staying, and had job interviews lined up around the southeast and uh, was just kind of – I needed a home base. Um, and so I would jump on the road to head to a interview in Orlando or in Raleigh or Atlanta. and But then I just started falling in love with Chattanooga. I'm like, what is this place? This is, this is an incredible city, and I've never heard of it. Except for my one buddy that lives here, who's offered me a bed in a guy that a family's home that I don't I don't know, and he, they were <laughs> gracious enough to offer me uh, let me stay, um, and it was just I was just blown away, um, and so I canceled a lot of those interviews. I'm like I'm going to pursue trying to find a job and stay in Chattanooga, um, and so uh, that that was 06, 07, 08. It was actually really 08 that I played on this team down in Birmingham. And it just it's was like, it the Pumas, the it Birmingham wasn't, Pumas. It wasn't. Okay. I think Birmingham went through so many renditions of different teams. Like one would fold, and then another one would kind of pick up the pieces and sure. rebrand on as another name. It wasn't the Pumas because that was predominantly Hispanic. That that team was predominantly, and this team was not. This was a bunch of college oh, players. There was a lot of University of Montevallo, um, UAH. You, uh, I don't know if there were UAB. Yeah, UAB players. Anyway, and so I would drive down for a couple practices and then a few games. It was just like I came back and I was like, why can't we do this in Chattanooga? So I talked to Crew and Daryl, Crew, uh, Crew Brock and Daryl Heald. I'm like, I've done a little bit of research on this team, uh, this league, the MPSL. Um, the entrance fee is $5,000? It was $5,000. $5,000. I did not have $5,000. Not even close, and so you were you were interviewing for jobs, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, I kind of floated the idea out, and and we um, guy by the name of Andy Zorovich, who was the southeast kind of director. He was the he was the owner, 
people. Yeah, Rocket City Rocket United. Rocket City United's owner. R.I.P. And, and so, yeah, that's right. Didn't um, Juan kill Rocket City United? Yeah, we talked about this. Juan took credit. <laughs> how, how many teams did Juan kill? At least two. Th- I think we talked about three. Amazing. Which three? So we gave him credit for uh, Pensacola, Bur- um, not Birmingham, Pensacola, right. Huntsville. We gave him credit for someone else. Someone else who folded. I don't know. He took. He, took, he gladly took credit. Knoxville. I don't yeah, know. maybe. I don't maybe know. Knoxville. I can't remember who he gave. Him, but he he gladly took credit for killing of teams. He said he would kill some more. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, it was this this kind of harebrained idea, um, and they uh, the two of those guys uh, fronted the money, but then they it just started kind of blossoming from there. We yeah, they, they we then Sheldon kind of came into the fold then. Well, a little bit before that, so you had you had been talking to them about this thing, mm-hmm. um, and they said, "Well, do you have a business plan?" And you said, "No." And no as as, as all good ideas are, <laughs> no 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 real plan. So Thomas, just uh, you know, we we had started becoming friends because we had a ton of mutual friends going to church together and crew rocks, you know, covenant circles and all that. And uh, and so he said, "Yeah, I've got this idea, you know." It would be great to bring a, a team here. Uh, found this new league. It's cheaper. I had been looking at the PDL, um, which at the time was like the big league, you know, across the the U.S. for amateur soccer. And the entrance fees were too high, and it just didn't seem like we could pull that off. And so he's like, no, it's like $5,000 to get going. I've got this business plan from – or I got some information from the Rocket City United guy. And I was like, well – I'm, I, I wake up every day helping people write business plans. So let me help you put something together. And so I was just kind of doing a friend a favor initially. And, uh, and you weren't thinking about playing at this point? Well, I, I mean, you're always thinking about playing. I was 20, 2009. I was 26, 27. 2008, yeah. Um, talked about it the fall. Or 08, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was 27. Um, so still playing age-ish, but I hadn't played in, you know, six years. Um but anyway, yeah, it was like a, a, a last hope of something competitive. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, we, we put together kind of a, a pitch, basically. Um, we took it to Crew and Daryl. And at the time, there was a, a college coach at, at Covenant. His name is John Miller-Acy, who's now the coach at Tormenta. Um, South Georgia. South Small Georgia. world. Yeah. Um, and, and so John had become a really good friend and we asked him to be the first coach. So he helped us, um, host tryouts and put him together. He, he kind of built the first team and then, uh, got recruited away to another college in Arkansas. And so he never got to coach a day, um, of Chattanooga football club, but he put the team together, but he put that initial team together. Oh, yeah. Isn't that interesting? interesting? That's such a cool factoid. Yeah. yeah. So, little, so backing up. Yeah, yeah. So backing up, um, Thomas, myself, John Miller, AC, uh, Crew, and Daryl all got together in Crew's cabin, I think, yeah. um, where, where Thomas originally lived. And we just kind of went through it and we said, here's what we think we need from a cash standpoint. Um, you know, I think we need about $50,000 to get it off the ground and run through a season. And, uh, you know, Miller, AC's agreed to coach and, you know, we think we can attract enough players and, um, and, uh, you know, a few days later they, they got back to us and, and they had kind of had a meeting of the minds where Daryl had said to crew, um, you know, are we prepared to lose $25,000 each to make this happen? And 
they they agreed that it was it was the right thing to do because it was the right time in Chattanooga. And the reason it was the right time in Chattanooga was, um, you know, Volkswagen had just announced that they were going to put this plant here. So we knew there was going to be a large influx of Europeans, both with the, you know, the actual VW plant, but also all the suppliers and service providers that come with that. Um, you know, we had one of the fastest growing Latino populations in the country, uh, especially the Guatemalan population. Um, and so we felt like it was just the right time to bring the world's game to Chattanooga and, and that we could use this as a tool to kind of bring Chattanoogans together, new Chattanoogans, old Chattanoogans, young Chattanoogans, old Chattanoogans. Um, and, and it was, it, it was the right time. It was, if we had done it two years earlier, I don't know if it would have worked. If we had done it a few years later, it might not have worked, you know, like Chattanooga really needed something to root for. And, and so the timing was right. So, uh, so that's, that was the initial, like few people that got it forklifted off the ground, but very, very quickly, like immediately, uh, crew pulled in Paul Rustand, uh, who's, you know, very quickly put together a beautiful crest, um, and kind of brand guide. And we had all kinds of arguments in those early days about what to call the team and what the colors should be. Ooh, can we, uh, can I, can I stop you right there? Do you have any, uh, were there any other front running names or front running naming? No, I mean, there was some early debate about, you know, should we, should we go the American, you know, route of, uh, a, a mascot type, you know, name the, the early Chattanooga express. There was some ideas around resurrecting that name. Um, and Paul just like really firmly was like, no, we, it is Chattanooga <laughs> football club, like end of story. And That's awesome. there was more debate about colors, but at the end of the day, he again put his foot down pretty hard and was like, no, navy and white and, and sky, you know? And so, and he just knew what he was doing and, uh, and they executed it beautifully. Um, there was one rendition of the logo before that one that uh, Tim Kelly and I were looking at and we were like, that's definitely a pentagram. <laughs> and and so we we edited it, or Paul uh, and and his team was like, oh, we didn't see that, so they had to soften the star a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, startup soccer. Um, yeah, it's a good thing you caught that preseason one instead of uh, preseason two. Right. Yeah. 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 Scare, um, scare a lot of people away right off the bat. Or you'd have some really interesting fans. That's <laughs> I mean, we already got some pretty interesting fans. Yeah, that's very can true. only imagine. So that was that was the initial like forklifting off the ground. Very very quickly though, um, it was really like we made the decision. We uh, crew and Daryl made the decision to start the team uh, in late January. I think it was, or was it oh, February? It, well, it must have been January, late January. Was it then, or was yeah. it, I feel like it was like late fall? No, 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 no. It was definitely. We were talking. We were, we were scrambling. Yeah, we were talking we were scrambling in scrambling to get it, the tryout, everything put together for early spring. Yeah, so it, uh, it, the decision fine. was late January because it was it was like almost the same week my daughter, my first child, was born, and we it, it, the timing was horrendous from a life personal life balance standpoint. But it's a it's a good thing you you know, you left that uh, soccer for the you know at least your wife knew you loved her you know. <laughs> yeah, so we we. They made that decision, um, and then uh, the administrative load was just huge. And so uh, Marshall Brock came on board. 
which is Crew's uh, younger brother. Sean McDaniel, we, we brought him in to help on the, um, you know, kind of player management, coach management side of things. Um, uh, Tim, Tim Kelly, um, I went to see him because he knew Frank Burke, who was managing Finley Stadium at the time. And that was the initial entree was, hey, do you think uh, Frank would let us play at Finley? Um, and so that's how he got roped in. And, you know, then he was just like all in at that point. Um, yeah, Hamilton Brock, who's a cousin, a first cousin, I think, of Crew and Marshall. He was our like game day ops guy. So, um, so a side note: the entire Brock family has amazing first names. <laughs> they do have good names, don't they? I Incredible. never thought about that. Builder, it's awesome. It's a legacy in and of itself. <laughs> so that was that. That was kind of the um, initial team, um, and and pretty soon after that. Uh, is when John Miller AC found out that he was going to John Brown University, and uh, so what did you do then? So how how far out from the from season one were you from kicking a ball? Well, we had already had two tryouts that Miller AC had run and really had the team built, and so that was probably late March, maybe early April. So we were probably four weeks from kicking a ball, and so uh, we will need to go back and talk about tryouts. I mean, just. All the different people came out of the woodwork. How amazing that was! So we, oh, the you, first open tryouts. Yeah, yeah, go for yeah, it. You keep going, but I mean, well, if we need to stop finish, now, we finish. should stop. No, no, no. Go, go well, for it. Well, it was so. It was amazing. This first trial. It was a uh, was that out at Camp Jordan. Yep. And good memory. Backfields too. <clears throat> like they weren't even like the good Bermuda front fields. They were like the. Ultimate frisbee fields in the back. <laughs> Ball <laughs> stops ten feet after you cut, kick it. Cut every now and then. It was so freezing. Oh, and the other terrible. fun thing about that was we didn't. Uh, we got a sponsorship from Adidas because Crew had a friend that worked at Adidas, and they just sent us a ton of gear um, to help just like get it off the ground. And so Marshall Brock had this. Um, you know, he had Clumpies at the time. He was the founder of Clumpies. And, uh, so he used to print a lot of t-shirts and I was like, Hey man, like three days before the tryouts, we need t-shirts. Like we gotta, we gotta give out these t-shirts at tryouts. And so he went and he printed up these, uh, you know, and I still have it, the original CFC t-shirt and, and it had the, the trefoil or whatever the, the original Adidas logo on the back because he couldn't find an updated one. So we just like you know, printed an, an old Adidas logo on the back of this sky blue t-shirt. Um, it was, it was pretty awesome. We were, we were high class, but the amazing thing about it is when you showed up to tryouts, you know, we looked legit, right? We had these sweet sky blue shirts with our low, you know, very nice logo on it. We looked put together and that was, that was really our goal was like, we had to look like, you know, look the part uh, on this podcast that would be described as that's so in PSL. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very it's called so. startup soccer. Yeah, very true. <laughs> so Thomas, you were saying a ton of people showed up for that first trial. Yeah, I mean, just young and old, and I mean, even now today, we still get some real young. I mean, we were just talking before the game on Saturday. Um, the six, the Sixteen-year-old this that, past year. That, yeah. yeah, that tried out, and I love. I mean, I just love that. That's Chris, Christian. Wasn't that his name? Alfonso. Oh, I can't Alf- remember Alfonso's. Oh, okay, last I'm thinking of the academy kid that was that was in the invitational the second time oh christian yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah he was there too he was, he's was like really, 18 or 19 yeah it was really cool to see him because he was you could definitely tell that he was talented yep some kids yeah some it's a we got bright future of kids that are going to grow 
here in the next three, four, five years that'll they'll be able to after their college career or be able to really make an impact on that side of things. Um, but no, they was so we had the young kids and then we had the really old guys. And when this was like, this like how was, old? Like dad with five kids. Like thirty eight, like my age now. <laughs> I mean, it, like you it, know, when you're twenty seven, the thirty eight year old looks like really old. <laughs> so they probably weren't that old, but to us they yeah, were like maybe, really maybe. old. Pot belly and a mullet. This is 11 years ago. The true definition of weekend warrior. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. And so I remember, so we, I don't know, we didn't take part in the tryouts. Yeah, we were kind of helping coach. We kind of eyes, there were so many people out there. And so we were kind of helping have eyes on different sections of the field, having small, there were small sided games going on. And uh, the story will always stick with me. This, uh, This dad and his five kids sitting behind the goal. So he was a goalkeeper. He makes this save, but lands awkwardly on like his left shoulder, like in, in, he's in pain, but he refuses to get subbed out. But he, he continues playing, but he holds his left arm kind of to his chest, and he keeps playing with, but he just keeps playing with one hand as the goalkeeper. <laughs> so oh, the, wow. the ball gets shot, and he goes and tries to dive again for it keeps his left arm because it's hurting and he saves the ball with his right hand across his butt. It's just like he was, he wanted to make the team. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I was just like, and he's, it, another thing was that stuck out that I, I don't think I really thought about until later on was my kids are watching me right now. And so I'm just, I'm just trying to think what he was thinking. I want my kids to remember, not me getting carted off or going off to the side and seeing the trainer. I'm staying in. And so I was just like, this is beautiful. I, I love the fact that this dad came out. And in, in his, his now his kids will always get to say, my dad tried out for that team. So did he make the team? He did not, <sighs> unfortunately. Year one, though, that's a lot of dedication going into uh, the first tryout for a team that doesn't exist. Yeah, definitely. And hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you go, wow, that's me, hit us up. We'll yeah, get shout you out. here. Yeah, we, no, we want you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. you, you need to be here. And open tryouts are coming up in January <laughs> yeah, or February still again. Still got a so chance. Get in the CFL, uh, work your way up through the promotion ladder, and uh, you, know, you could so be playing for that, CFC next year. That means it's probably about 47, 48. Doable. About, right, about right now, yeah, that's right. doable. Sounds uh, never too late for a comeback, right? That's right. So that uh, after the second tryout, Milracy um, left, and uh, and we had all played. Uh, not Thomas, but a bunch of the founders had all played at Covenant for Brian Crossman, um, and so we we went to him, and he had he had retired from the the college coaching job at Covenant at that point, and he was by far the most experienced, uh, you know, highest licensed coach in the area. And so he came out of retirement, uh, soccer retirement, at least to, um, take over. And, and, you know, he, he got us out of a really tight spot. Um, I don't know if I would have been running the team or what, (laughs) um, but, uh, you know, and he did a great job for, for three seasons with us. So, so yeah, that was a chaotic three months to get that, get this thing off the ground. But, um, but it worked, you know, we, started a Twitter account and a Facebook account and somehow people found out about it and they showed up. Yeah. So that, that first game, what was it? 1600 people. Yeah. And you, and you ended up at Finley stadium. Yes. We were at Finley stadium. It, It basically was a night exactly like Saturday night where there were multiple delays, you know, torrential downpours, but, I'm still People wet. We're there. Right. Yeah. I, my feet are still wrinkled. 
Um, yeah, and uh, fun fun note, Thomas and I both started that game. Um, that was the only game I started that season. Um, you know, they Not fig- better at all. We, we got Omar Cook uh, after that game. Actually, he came in, he subbed in for me. It's like, all right, Sheldon, it's, uh, let's, let's get the real players on the field. The, the young players. <laughs> was he in high school at that point? Senior year of high school? No, he was a uh, sophomore or junior at um, Carson Newman. Oh, okay. Not the, not the player I was thinking of? Yeah, no. He was great. He was a very good yeah, forward. He was, yeah. So season one, it, it goes by, you hit the off season. And we can, if there's more you want to talk about during the season, we can. But you hit the off season. What are your thoughts? Are, were you thinking year one, hey, we're going to do a year two? We're going to make it bigger. We're going to make it better. What, what was kind of your plans, and then what what ended up happening? Um, I mean, the, the I'd say the first four years, we had the get around the table and look at each other and say, do we want to do this again? Um, so it was like a rolling experiment. You know, I guess you could say that's so NPSL at this point. Um, yes. Uh, should we should we do it again next year? I don't know. <laughs> it's very NPSL. Um, but you know, it the idea is like rolling imperfections. You're never going to nail it. It's, it's, there's always going to be hair on it. You, you just got to kind of figure it out as you go. And, um, and so that first year was probably the, the, the hardest decision to go forward. Cause it was just like, um, you know, it, it, we were all volunteers and it was really hard and really stressful that first season, but we ended on a high note. Um, we lost, we won like the last four games or something like that. And, uh, and so there's just so much energy going into the off season. So we kind of felt obligated to give it another shot. And then we finished the second season and we lost in the national championship game of our, you know, Sacram- our second year, Sacramento gold, um, in, in Huntsville. In Hunts- Huntsville so we had Husted. a killer yeah. turnout, you know, there were hundreds and hundreds of Chattanoogans that drove down for that game. Um, and so you end, you know, in a disappointing way, but really on a high note, um, in the championship game. And so we're like, well, we definitely have to keep going now. Um, and, and, and also you need three points on a line to determine a trajectory. Um, two points could just be, um, you know, accidental. So, uh, so that third year was really where we, um, kind of figured out that this is a thing that people like, and they're continuing to come back to and, um, and so I think it was at that point where we were starting to think, okay, like we should start to think about doing this every year and plan for it and, and, uh, not just do a mad scramble at the last minute. And that, uh, that startup life, right? That's right. Well, I mean, and I, I guess, I mean, if we could even break up the first season, I, it's been said before, I don't know if, if it's been said on podcast, but just in conversation, we had zero understanding of what the first game was going to look like and then when 1600 people like it, it was more thinking oh, it'd be fun for moms and dads and brothers and sisters and a couple friends and girlfriends to come out and yeah just blown away and so it, it, we're like what is going on yeah the business Where? plan that we put together initially we had projected like 250 fans a game you know our wild hopes were 500 fans a game and that was based on you know PDL teams across the country. It was just like, well, that's what everybody gets for this kind of soccer. So I yeah. guess that's what we'll build our expectations on. So that's kind of that was kind of the where we looked at it, like we might be onto something, but we don't know what. And so let's just kind of keep doing this and 
if something works, let's do that again. If something didn't work, let's not do that. And now, you know, we're kind of in a, we're talking about the, obviously the, the, the genesis of CFC, but now we're going into year, we're in the middle of year 11. We're next year going to the first fully professional year. If you're looking forward and then thinking about where you, where it started, did you ever have any clue that this is where it was going to go? And it, if at any, was there any point where you were like, okay, maybe, maybe this will become what it is today? I, um, in the first, you know, six years, no, it, there was, there was no, uh, master plan of, you know, professional soccer. We're going to climb the ladder of American soccer, any of that kind of stuff, mainly because there wasn't, there's not a path to do that. Um, so, so it was hard to envision that, um, for Chattanooga, but when we had that huge season in 2015 with the awful, um, you know, uh, events in July with the shootings and we had this unbelievable miraculous run in the playoffs, hosting all these home games and, and ending with the national championship game. I think, you know, that season we kind of all was like, you know, we're, we're looking at each other just thinking this is, this is, there is something special here. Um, whether we can replicate that exact thing ever again, I don't know. Um, but there was definitely something special. And, and I think that that's when we really began to think, all right, what could we reasonably do in a city like Chattanooga that other towns our size and maybe even larger have not been able to figure out yet? And so that's still the grand experiment that we're on now. Um, but th- I'd say this, this, the real seeds were planted that postseason, that July of 2015. Um, and you know, 2016, 17, and 18 have really been – there were lots of uh, kissing frogs just trying to figure out, <laughs> you know, how, how we move forward yeah. in a way that doesn't um, – crush the soul and spirit of what Chattanooga football club is. Um, how do we straight stay true to who we are as an organization community first, not, you know, money first or butts and seats first, or, you know, all this other stuff that we've seen happen in other places. Um, so, so yeah, we're still, we're still experimenting. Um, but I, I personally didn't believe it until, you know, around that 2015, 2016 timeframe. Yeah, that's that's a, an an amazing trajectory. So, and we're gonna do a, we plan to do a full episode in the future on the foundation. So I don't want to dive super super deep, but I'm curious when the genesis of the CFC Foundation about where did that come in the story? And uh, because obviously Chattanooga Football Club is not just uh, it's not a soccer franchise that was purchased and and put here to be a soccer team. It's a community born team that now has a foundation that does amazing work in the community. And we can talk about some of those things, but it's very different, I think, from your average sports team, your average minor league baseball team, your average whatever. So if you could talk a little bit about the CFC Foundation and its genesis and kind of, I guess, a little bit what makes CFC different too. Yeah, one of the, one of the really unique things about the way we're structured is that the, the very first season, we had no idea if this was even worth doing, right? Like we literally had no idea if anyone was going to show up. And so we actually, th- we thought it was a nonprofit. And so um, instead of setting up our own nonprofit and foundation or whatever, um, we set up a fund at the community foundation of Chattanooga 
to accept donations and kind of help help get it going. And um, and so after a year of doing that, um, you know, the the conversation, I think it was like Tim Kelly and John Meldorf and Crew Brock and maybe a couple other um, fans were talking about, wouldn't it be cool if we had some supporter ownership? And so it was the transition from the 2009 season to the 2010 season that we incorporated as a C Corp with the idea that eventually we would um, – you know, make it a, a for-profit or it, it was a for-profit thing, but that we would offer shares to the community. Um, so we, we set that structure up a long, long time ago. But um, I say that just to say our roots were originally in just the, the community. This was never about money. This was never about, you know, names and lights or us becoming, you know, names in the soccer world or changing American soccer or any of that kind of stuff. It was just, let's do something cool for Chattanooga. Um, so at its core, like the foundation is more of who we are than a professional soccer team. The professional soccer team is going to be the vehicle in which we get to make our city a better place. So, um, so I'd say the the foundation was officially established in that 2012 2013 timeframe where we went and got our own 501c3, um, and uh, and and began work under our own umbrella. Until that point, the nonprofit work had continued to stay at the at the community foundation, um, and then it was maybe. Man, I don't know. Six years ago, um, Chattanooga Sports Ministries, uh, which was a, a great program run by a local church, had really struggled to kind of keep funding going and um, struggle with their programming. So they actually asked us if we would kind of take it over and help manage it. And so we did that through our foundation. Um, and Crew Brock has been like the key catalyst for guiding that work along. Um, and Hannah Griggs was the director um, at that time, and she started doing some really, really innovative work with UTC and starting to track like biometrics and stuff like that of the kids that they were in, you know working with. And and actually, they they started to prove that this was changing the way that um, like how healthy kids were and the way they were eating and you know their their biometrics and stuff like that. And uh, and and so the idea came like, hey, why don't? And this was her her thought, not Chattanooga football club's thought, but what if we could take what we're doing, you know, on the ministry and the faith side and, and do it in schools. Um, and so, so OGA was born, operation get active was born out of that work. And, and so that's how that whole line of work got rolling. Um, and so that rolled up also under the foundation and obviously the, uh, Volkswagen workers foundation, um, came in and, and partnered with that. And that's just exploded. And Peter Wilcock and his team have done unbelievable things with that. Uh, and around the same time, like Highland Park Commons got, got launched by the McClellan Foundation and Daryl Heald, one of our co-founders. Um, I was on the original founding board as well. And we kind of put this project together in the middle of Highland Park. And it kind of kind of bumped along for a few years until um, the McClellan Foundation asked us our foundation, our foundation to manage it and program it and, and make it uh, better. And so Jonathan Dryling and his team have just like blown that out of the water. And you guys play there a couple times a week. I, and, I was there for the 
for the transition from it being ran by the guy before or the whole system before Jonathan and when they came in it made that place a thousand times better yeah it I mean awesome. just his his spirit is so Jonathan's spirit is so amazing and he's such the perfect guy for that place yeah definitely um and and so mad props to him and and also just to the clown Foundation the Highland Park Commons nonprofit for partnering with the CFC Foundation to really animate help animate it and make it what it is so so like our hearts in that work we love it um and really the, again the grand experiment is can we keep doing all of these things um sustainably and we sure hope so we, we believe so yeah um transitioning a, a bit i have a soccer in america question obviously you mentioned earlier there's no stated path there's no you know set of levels which we didn't really talk about and we don't have to dive super far into but there's no state like if you start in the mpsl you don't automatically oh we won our league or we came in second place in our league we go to this next league and then we go to this next league like it is the rest of the world so when you're looking at soccer in america cfc's place what do you see as cfc's place Uh, and i'd love that from from both of you what do you as you know founders and kind of people that have given ownership to the rest of the community, but, you know, you guys started this thing. What do you see as CFC's place? And then, you know, kind of how do you see American soccer progressing over the next 10 years with and without CFC? Oh, man, that question's, I mean, it could go so many different directions. (laughs) Um, I mean, we'd love for it to, for independent soccer just to continue to grow. Um, We've we've seen just incredible examples all across the country already. and we all know that it, how the United States is structured, uh, I, I guess even just, let's just talk about the basic geography. Um, it's harder for teams to travel. Uh, uh, smaller uh, smaller countries in, in Europe, it's, it's a, you, you, you jump on a bus and you're at, you're at the away game. Yeah, the or, soccer, the football density is oh, much yeah, greater. Very, very much. But, the, but then you're, yeah, every single town has their hometown team. Um, and so for, for that, at the very least, for that to continue to grow so that we, we have this, this rivalry against the, the Huntsville team, the Birmingham team, the, um, you know, the Northern Atlanta team, the Dalton team, the Asheville team. That, the, you know, you, you, have, you have 10 teams within an hour and a half. Uh, I, I, that's, I guess, dreaming. That's where we'd love the, for just soccer growth to continue to go. Yeah. Um, and so, because there's so many different directions, and, and who knows what uh, how different uh, things could happen, the direct where we're going and, and what we're going to be doing next year, we hope is is there is the is just one of the first steps um, for for confidence to just continue to be to continue to grow, um, and and uh, for other teams uh, that that. Uh, that may be in other leagues or, or, um, or teams that we've played against, uh, for, for that, uh, for this to be kind of a step and, you know, uh, pro rel is always going to be a conversational piece for the next 20 years or however long it takes for it to come to fruition. Uh, we hope it does someday. Um, maybe we're able to, with the growth, just within, the direction that we're going, maybe just setting up a smaller size, uh, a smaller uh, kind of rendition of that to where it's 
an East Coast twenty teams that play each other, and then if you don't, if you don't, if you if you're in the bottom three, you go down to that second division of uh, of the same league that we're in. So, who, who knows? Yeah, so, there, there are a lot of different ways that could go. Sorry, Andrew. Yeah, what do you <clears throat> what do you think CFC's place is in increasing the soccer density in the country? I I think we've done a really good job of that personally. Um, you know when. There were many times, basically after every season, we had that um, that so NPSL moments, um, you know, in our in our boardroom where we're just like, ah, this league is, you know, it it's been so frustrating, and we kept looking at it like, should we should we change leagues? We, you know, should we should we jump over to the PDL? And and we just kept deciding over and over and over every single year that um, let's just make the NPSL better, and. Uh, and so that's been our decision from really day one is just let's invest in the league, help it grow and and hope for a better future for independent soccer. So I think that that's a great question. And our our hope has always been let's help educate other passionate, um, you know, potential f- soccer startup, you know, startup soccer founders in our region and give them our business plan. We basically open up our, our books and show them like, here's our sponsor doc. Here's our pricing strategy. Yeah. Here's this, here's that. Here's how we, you know, build community, all these things. And so we, we've really had like an open book mentality with Knoxville, Nashville, Atlanta, Greenville, uh, Asheville, like all these clubs have looked at everything that we do and have tried to replicate it. So, um, so we think it's very, very important that no matter what we do next, um, which we now know what we're doing next, but whatever we do, wherever we go, we, we raise the level with us. And so we have great expectations that we will continue to do that at the professional level and um, because we've done that at the amateur level. Um, we're, we've got a lot of lessons to learn ourselves in this you know transitional period, but um, but. You know, we've learned so many good lessons, and um, and the the regional opportunities are just phenomenal. There's great soccer cities throughout the South. Yeah. So um, so independent soccer is is alive and well in the U.S. And with NISA, I, you know, now we've got a place that we think that we can grow, we can invest in, and uh, and I you know we're very very optimistic that we're going to see really great things out of out of NISA and the in the near future. Yeah. From, from my perspective, I, I almost view it as like a, like a tangible goal now for independent soccer clubs. Like before there was the limbo and now we're kind of creating that, like that ultimate goal to be, to be able to reach like a certain point to help that same system reach its ultimate goal. So everybody's kind of like vying for the exact same, you know, ideology and trying to join up and do things together. Yeah. So it's really awesome. And, and I've brought it up on the podcast before, but my cousin is the ticketing director for Tallahassee Soccer Club in the Gulf Coast Premier League. And when they started talking, uh, my cousin just said, "Oh yeah, yeah, one of my cousins does stuff with the Chattanooga Football Club." And those guys and the guys in Tallahassee said, "Well, we're, we're not like anywhere near that big." <laughs> like to to hear them say, "Like we're not that big," like from them was just really cool. And and he tells me that you know they try and copy the blueprint, look at a lot of stuff. So the reach is really awesome. That's that. I mean, that that's an honor and a testament, I think, to what we've we've all been trying to do. Like, 
you know, Thomas and myself and Tim Kelly and all these guys were all co-founders, but it's not because of what we've done. It's, it's been how it's been received in Chattanooga and, and then how it's been, uh, supported rationally and irrationally over the years. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's such a beautiful thing. Um, you know, that so much passion goes into it and it's, it's kind of, it, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Um, and very, very surprising. And, you know, MLS clubs would die to have, you know, some of the passionate supporters that we've got. So, um, so yeah, if we can, if we can help other cities learn how to create a culture that, um, get, creates a, a, an environment that allows that to flourish. Yeah. And, you know, I think too many ownership groups just try to like suffocate it. And we've tried to go the opposite way and just, kind of stay out of the way. Um, and, uh, and that's, I think that's been a good decision. It's kind of maybe not directly, but it's part of the reason we have, uh, an owner in almost or every state, every single state. 50. And then how many countries, uh, over 30 for sure. I don't know if it's 31 or 32. Yeah, I think it's 32 people, people from around the world buy into that ideology. That's incredible. Yeah, and, and I think that's also just like a testament to people's hope for, uh, you know, American soccer, that they're looking for, um, they're looking for, you know, clubs to like grasp onto and and hope that they can break the mold of yeah. what's going on here. Yeah. And quite honestly, I've like, I'm so depressed about the landscape of American soccer outside of what us and other independent clubs are doing. Yeah. I'm very proud of the work of us in Detroit and, you know, what Oakland's doing in Asheville. And there's, there's beautiful bright spots throughout the country. Um, but by and large, it's just like, it, it, it's not inspiring. And so I hope that we can help inspire hope and optimism in us soccer. So are, are we the answer? Do we hold the answer? No. But hopefully we can be a bright spot that inspires others to be great. It's awesome. And really just having the community first focus is what allows all of that to come because Chattanooga FC has been such a good template for success outside of a cookie cutter mold that so many other teams have to fit into. Um, so, you know, we talked about it a lot already. We've got supporter ownership now. Um, and it was th that was incredible very exciting past year so looking at the next you know one to ten years you know what what is next realistically you want to go or you want me to go? realistically and unrealistically there's there's things that we can speak about broadly right like mm -hmm. in 10 years i would love for there to be a system that rewards teams for sporting merit and not just um, paying massive amounts of money to climb your way up. Um, we're, we, have, we have an unbelievable amount of um, resources in Chattanooga to um, invest in growing the club, growing the foundation, growing our facilities, um, you know, growing the outreach. But there's got to be a mechanism from you know, the federation level on down to unlock that. And, you know, I, we know people who are ready to write big checks, bigger checks. Um, but they're just kind of 
waiting for something to happen in, in the system. And that's sad. It's sad to see that. Um, so in the future, I, th I think it's a, it's a great hope to, to say, I'd love to see, you know, the ability to, to climb the ranks of soccer in America and not forever be relegated to, you know, lower tiers of professional soccer, just because we're in a city like Chattanooga. Um, Tim Kelly says it a lot, like university of Alabama wouldn't be, you know, the powerhouse they are if, if we followed, you know, the U S soccer model, it would only be Miami and, you know, uh, teams in Atlanta and, you know, big, big market teams, not Tuscaloosa. So, um, so I, I think we have to hope for those days, um, for, for the market to get unlocked. And, um, I, I just, no, nobody has any idea if or when that'll happen, but we got to look forward to those days. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we're just going to keep focused on every year asking, like we, we've talked about already, does this make Chattanooga better? And so... We, the past 11, well, I mean, we're in the midst of our 11th season, but I mean, the past 10 years is asking that question, does this make Chattanooga better? I mean, collectively, the foundation, the team, all everything. And and we've been blessed to be able to keep continuing saying yes, and so we're just going to keep trying to, to love our neighbors well, love uh, love our love our teammates well, love our love, um the fans, the each the players, other, each other. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, Chattanooga is such a, it's a, such a great city that we, we get, uh, folks that just are so, um, they're, they're, they're uh, we're, we're proud of, of what we've done, but then also we, we want to, uh, do things together moving forward as well. So that's, that's goes from, um, making sure that the little kids have the opportunity all the way up to, uh, um, just older families uh, or, or grandparents taking their kids to games uh, on, on Saturdays and just being able to enjoy that or, or taking them out to Highland Park Commons to watch their kids kick the ball around with 20 other nationalities that are all out there at the same time. Um, and so if we can continue to kind of have that opportunity presented, um, good Lord. We, 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 we just can't want to continue doing it. So Speaking of Highland Park Commons, there's a there was an article that came out in the Chattanooga and then one in the Times Free Press that mentioned uh, what looked like a similar setup potentially at Montague. Is there's, that something that... There, there's some rumors, yeah. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked for years, I mean, literally years, about um, the need for downtown full-size soccer fields. Um, right now there is not a single place that you can go if you live inside the ridge and kind of around the river down to lookout mountain and access a soccer field to play or, you know, a, an open space to play soccer, football, ultimate Frisbee, lacrosse, like there's just nothing. And so the beautiful thing about a soccer field is it can be used for any sport. And so we've been continuously looking for years and years and years. And, um, and so Montague has been on the radar for like four or five years. And so, yeah, it's when, when we heard about the RFP, um, we, we basically already had some ideas about what we wanted to see, which was just a, you know, a, a few new fields and maybe some locker room facilities and some, uh, some other things that, 
would make sense in a public park area. Um, Highland Park Commons is a really great experiment for this. And if you talk to Jonathan Dryling at um, the CFC Foundation, like they are booked solid. You, you basically can't get on the fields anymore. No, you can't. It, you know, they expanded it, obviously, recently, doubled the size. And now within the past several months, as soon as the weather turned, you can't get on a field. Right. If you're not scheduled or you're not waiting to play pickup, you can't get on a field. Yeah. And so that's a testament to like, there is this pent up demand for recreational play and that's just soccer, right? Like we could probably put 10 fields in Chattanooga, like in the downtown area, and they would probably all get filled up with just soccer. Literally. Um, You know, we're not even really, um, really, really tapping into the Guatemalan community much or, um, or the academy or rec leagues or any of that kind of stuff. So there's, there's so much opportunity for developing facilities. And I really wish that our, um, local, um, governments would, would get more involved in recreational facilities. Um, but I, I get priorities, like you gotta have all, you know, priorities or, um, you know, there's a lot of politics in, uh, determining what the priorities are of a city at any given time. But, um, but this is this is a great opportunity for us to put together a, um, a proposal that makes sense, that is collaborative with other groups that are interested in um, seeing recreational use, and um, and the Sculpture Fields Park is one of the coolest, most underutilized oh, yeah. uh, assets in our city. And I live I live less than a mile from there, and I go there so infrequently, and. It's just because it's not on my mental map. And, um, and so if you start animating that park with 500, 1,000 people a night, like that, that sculpture fields project is going to be hopping and it's going to be so animated. Yeah. And so we feel like it's a, it, it could be a great uh, community asset, a, a great partner with the, um, with the park that already exists. And it kind of sits in, in a... Um, you know, in an area that really needs some love too. Um, so we think it can be a, a good thing. And, uh, you know, we only got like a week and a half to put together a proposal. <laughs> so we got to get moving on it. Well, thanks for spending your time here instead of doing that. Yeah. Well, it, that's, that's Thomas. Thomas is the lead on that one. So uh, if we don't get it in, you, you know, it's all his blame, fault. Blame me. Know how to, knew who to blame. So, so I went to the sculpt. I'd never heard of the sculpture gardens before, and I've lived here for ten years. So, I went to the sculpture garden for the first time, um, like the end of summer last year. And just driving by, I was like, "Wow, this would be perfect if we had soccer fields oh, right yeah, outside right. of it. It's perfect." Yeah. <laughs> See, you you just think it, and you know, you it go. transferred to to us and. My, my favorite part about that answer was like the mantra of CFC is like, take care of the community and the community will take care of us. Like you began by saying multi-sport, this is for the community. Like a lot of that, what, you know, you're, you weren't saying like, this is for the club and this is so we can do this, that it was like, we can bring so many people together. And that just rings true in everything that is done through the club. So that was, and it sounds like it'll be more of a community asset than a, you know, CFC centric. 100%. Right. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, where there's other things that there's, we have to go through this RFP and, and it's not going to get awarded until October, October November timeframe. And so we won't know 
I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll present our best proposal with the different parties that we've all been talking to, uh, just kind of brainstorming, what could it be? What, 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 what could we do there? And, and, and so we'll, we'll submit that on the 10th. Um, That's awesome. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think. Or the 9th. Or the, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it to the last second. <laughs> Have it printed on the 9th. Um, and, and just make sure it's, uh, um, we can put our pet best foot forward and, and, uh, and work with, uh, work well with that community there that, that like Sheldon says, really, really needs, uh, that, but also for it to be a centerpiece for all of Chattanooga to be able to come and play. Doesn't have to do soccer. Just come and play. I'm sure the, the rugby community would be really happy with that because they play at Montague, the sure. Chattanooga Rugby League. So they are, they are, we are partnering with them. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. The other reason I found the sculpture fields. Yeah, same. Oh, cool. Nice. Just happened to see it, and I was like, well, I'm going to walk over there now. And you know what their name is. Isn't it the Chattanooga Rugby Football Club? Or is it I the Chattanooga that, Football so. Rugby Club? Chattanooga. I saw that quoted in the article, and I was wondering if that was a typo, if that was a real... Because uh, I hadn't seen it. No, it now. is. It's, I just always heard Chattanooga Rugby. No, it's got football in the name. Chattanooga Rugby Football Club. That's so British. So <laughs> we got association football and... Rugby football? That's What's incredible. the other football? It, it's what was the split? That is the split. It's between rugby and so- rugby, and it was association football became soccer, and then rugby and. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know the technical terms, but it's how we got the word soccer. Yeah, the good kind. So thank you guys for being so generous with your time. Before we let you go, we have a few rapid fire questions. Ooh, all right. And we're gonna we're gonna adapt these a little bit. Um, so we'll we'll figure out a how maybe we'll do them board related. Maybe, well, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But um. So Thomas, you did you play? What position did you play for CFC? I played center back. Um, so I was, uh, was, my knees were starting to hurt a little bit more, so it stick me someplace I didn't have to run as much. So. And the six foot five helped. It did. <laughs> Sheldon, what position did you play? Uh, Ford, Moses Drummond, and I uh, were up top together. That was a blast. Uh, what was your guys' number? Number five. Number six. Ruben is now number six. And Genki. Oh, okay. yeah, nice. Yeah. I'm super pumped that we have all Japanese. I'm half Japanese, and so uh, we have a 100% Japanese. And, and, a, and a pretty yeah. uh, awesome little fan base that comes out, too, it and does. comes to games and supports hardcore. It's, it's awesome to it's see. It's pretty incredible. It's really cool. Um, so what were your guys' nicknames whenever you were playing? Or did you have any? Jeez. Oh, I never had one that you can share. No, I, I get I so this is more college years, um, but we played Air Force went to St. Louis, so SLU, St. Louis University, which is like a I mean they're the Bilkins. They, they're always in the. They have an incredible program. They I mean, just historic, an historic uh, tradition that they have there. They did research on all of us before we went and played there. They, they knew some of the guys. And this is really before internet really took off. That, that, that ages us just a little bit. Um, but they knew some of my teammates' girlfriends' names. <laughs> well, that's um, impressive. And and so it kind of throws you off. But anyway, I'll make this real short. This one guy, right, the ball went out for a throw-in. It was our throw-in, and we're on the far side. And he, I'm in the Air Force, so my I have, I have a high and tight. My hair is super short. And this one St. Louis – University, university college student says, hey, number five, 
you look like a shaved bird. <laughs> it was the most random thing. And we all stop and start laughing. Like, we're in the middle of a, a D1 game. And they're laughing. They're, their players are laughing. We're laughing. So I, I got called shaved bird like, by my own teammates. That's amazing. We, that's we're, really I mean, funny. Air Force Falcons was our mascot. But that's where we got it from. But So I got shaved bird. The only there. time I had a nickname uh, yelled at me from the sideline was a game against Covenant versus Brian. Which was a, a bloodbath of a of game course. back in the day. Russell Courtney and I had some good matches against each other, um, and uh, at the time you wouldn't know it now for my current uh, lack of hair. But at the time it was uh, long and flowing, and uh, I was I was a I was a pretty pretty I good need to forward. see pictures. Yeah, and uh, and so some some kids called me Fabio out there, so it was yeah. pretty hysterical. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Um, so what's your favorite, uh, soccer team, not named CFC? Gosh, I, I so it, it's, it may be cliche. I ha- always have to s- say it. Eric Cantona was my favorite player growing up. I didn't know what team he played for. And then he played for Man U back in the day. And that's how I became a Man U. So I'm not, I'm not a bandwagon Man U supporter. I was, I was a Man U. Eric Cantona was the guy who, who pulled me in. Uh, you're gonna hate me, but I don't have one. I I no, love we, we no, we love you. you. Yeah. No, I I am a soccer lover. I just want to see a good game, and and yeah. so I can watch any game unemotionally attached and just enjoy it for the for the beauty of it. You mean it's not fun when your team loses and you just it ruins your weekend? And it just, <laughs> I've I've got I'm enough. In, of, I've got enough of that with uh, with our own team. So <laughs> I don't I don't need the additional stress. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but what kind of music do you listen to whenever you work out? <laughs> I thought you were, before, the, before you said work out, the first song, I, I have two little girls. And so, <laughs> before you said we're like you listen I, the, to baby shark the, oh yes it, with the wheels on the bus is the first song that came to my mind when you, before you said why you work out. What's playing in your car right now? Wheels on the bus? <laughs> Golly, um, when I work out, I guess when I could pick the music, it was it was more uh, like punk. I used to listen to a lot of punk back in the day. Is that like Green Day? Mel- like uh, that? Melancholy and, and No Use for a Name and No Effects and those guys. Nice. And uh, I'm one of the psychos that doesn't listen to any music at all. <laughs> I I seriously love the pain. I I love feeling the pain. You and, I, you and Caleb Cole need to start like a no music workout group. So I didn't right. know that about Caleb, but he and I were talking on the trip to Detroit. This is this is really funny and relevant now. <laughs> and I was like, you know what kind of crazy player I was? Like I I was telling him I grew up in South Florida, which is like the hottest place in the country and so humid. And I did my training on my own intentionally at like the hottest part of the day during the summer, um, just so that I could like imagine myself as the only person that I was going to, you know, compete against the entire year who's training at that moment. And so I'm just one of those weirdos that just loves to do things, you know, I'm a glutton for pain or whatever. Um, (laughs) so I can't listen to music when I work out. (laughs) It's distracting. That's amazing. And Caleb really liked that, by the way. He's like, that's awesome. I'm sure he was all about it. <laughs> yeah, I can just imagine uh, him 
doing that, saying it, doing it. He likes to drive with the windows down, so he's not using AC. Nice. Just like anything, anything to make the competitive edge. It's fantastic. Hey, you got to work on breathing exercises when you're sitting there, you know, at the doctor's office. You go like, you know, competitive edge all the time. <laughs> so, so have you or do you listen to uh, David Goggins? I don't. Do you? He's definitely like a, 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 a supreme ownership guy that just likes to make things challenging. Oh, oh, he's like that uh, motivational speaker guy, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, just, like I a, heard about him today for the first time. Yeah, you lose your job, good. You know, go get a better <laughs> one. Like, you know, just everything's like that. It's, but, but he runs like a hundred. So he, he runs hundred mile races and he, he gets out and his, his entire thing is like, stay hard. Like no one else is, if no one else is doing it, good. Like then you should be doing it, and what else isn't somebody else doing? Like, yeah. he's he's insane in the best possible way. Yeah, unfortunately, I've been known in my life as like a really resilient guy, and I don't know that that's the trait that you want everybody remembering you by, because <laughs> that means you've chosen the hard path every single time. It's like, yeah, Sheldon can really take a beating. <laughs> All right, so to change change the topic, does pineapple belong on pizza? Ugh, nope. Correct. Correct. So gross. <laughs> Cold things should not be hot. Well, you can get around that by putting cold pineapple on hot pizza. You can't mix them. Just yeah, I'm just here. Stop, I'm stop. just ripping the pineapple on pizza, people, okay? <laughs> um, so is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about you before we uh, transition into our, our goodbyes? About you guys, about CFC, anything we forgot to mention, forgot to ask? Um. This is on a personal note, but I want to thank my wife for allowing me to um, spend the last year of my life, um, our, our lives, um, just pouring it into Chattanooga Football Club. And, and I can honestly say that without <clears throat> her support, that our club would not be in the, in the situation that it is now. So, um, so shout out to my wife for uh, sticking through the last year. It's been, it's been a hard one. And thank her from us. I will. For sure. I'll make her listen to this. <laughs> don't don't subject her to that. <laughs> um, and I, we kind of maybe glossed over it right at the beginning, but it's worth saying again. I mean, the Chattanooga Football Club's no one person's idea. It's no, it's not successful because of um, nine original board members. It's not successful because of just a small group of people. It's, a, it's successful because of thousands of people um, so it's worth just saying again that we're thankful for Chattanooga and we're thankful for uh, uh, yeah, just the, the Lord putting us in a spot to be able to share this game that we love um, and uh, we're just stewards you know, for a time and yep. so, we got yeah. 3,000 new owners that'll <laughs> hopefully carry it into the future long long after we're gone that's right alright so if uh, if listeners want to Get after you on social media. Ask you questions. Hit you up. Do you get guys have you. <laughs> get after you? That's the wrong. That's the wrong turn of phrase. If uh, if they want to hit you up on social media, Twitter, um, Facebook, whatever it is, do you have a preferred method? And do you know what your handle is? And producer Jake can put them in the show notes. Yeah, if you great. Don't remember your exact handle. Um, mine is at Sheldon Grizzle on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm kind of crazy. I keep that for personal use and uh, not public use. And then uh, LinkedIn. I love connecting with uh, fellow owners and folks on, on LinkedIn as well. So, 
I had to look up my Twitter handle because I barely use it. But that's probably a good one. But then also LinkedIn as well. But sure. yeah, T Clark fifty three. So that's uh yeah, best way to get hold of me. Producer J? Um you can find me on Instagram at letter J. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Buchanan. And before I toss that to you guys, I wanna thank both of you for coming here uh big time because if it wasn't for OGA, CFC and the Highland Park Commons, I probably would not live in Chattanooga. So. We are glad you are in Chattanooga, Jay. That's right. Yeah, same. it's the same for me, too, because my girlfriend and I moved away, and the Chattahooligans and CFC were a huge reason why we decided to move back. We had oh, several right. different cities on the table, and wow. she plays roller derby. Um, oh. You know, I'm a, I'm a Chattahooligan, so we had such passionate and good friend groups. Like, that's the reason, ultimately, we moved back. Oh, that's beautiful. That's great. I don't have anything to, sappy to follow that up with, but I'm, <laughs> I, I love I love all of you. And you can find me on Twitter at at, at Andrew Brzee. Smitty, you didn't get yours in, so go ahead and drop those. Um, you can find me on Twitter at a Smitty Nose. Perfect. Thank you guys again for joining us, listeners. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me.